just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Code Blue and Bullshit. It's Cordero. It's your girl, Monica. God dang you. Lie. I know. I need to redo that one. Oh, <laughs> Turn it down a tad. <laughs> okay. All right. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about Monica and, you know, what's it like transitioning into this new position? What What is your new position anyway? What kind of floor are you on? All right, guys. So as some of you guys may know, based on our other podcast episodes or youtube channels i was working in a neuro icu floor um i was at a trauma one hospital so it, it had a, it's exciting moments i'm not gonna lie and it taught me a lot especially starting out in that position as a new graduate resident but after i hit my one year i just felt like i needed more for me personally and that's not me discouraging you from the neuro aspect of critical care or in any ways or means saying that, you know, the neuro ICU just isn't challenging enough um, on its own. But for me personally, I just felt like I wanted to be further challenged, if that makes any sense. Um, for me, I was getting floated to our medical ICU very frequently just because there was a lot of nurses that ended up not being able to float down there from our unit just due to you know their own past medical history or restrictions in terms of age, um, being pregnant at the moment, breastfeeding, etc. Things of that nature. So regardless, it was a few of us frequently traveling down to the medical ICU. And once I started landing a bunch of trauma patients and just more on the medical aspect of the critical care environment, for me, I felt like, wow, this is, this is something that I crave. I crave that adrenaline feeling, the the idea that these patients could go, you know, wrong, I guess, so to speak, very quickly. Something can go wrong very quickly, and you just have to be able to react, um, you know, in a timely manner and and have a wide range of uh, knowledge on exactly how to care for these patients. And granted, I was new. I <laughs> I didn't really know everything. Every day was a learning experience, and it still is. But once I got, you know, the taste of the medical ICU aspect of the critical care environment based on specialties, I was like, whoa, like, I need to get deeper into this. So I made the decision to transfer on to a different hospital. I love the hospital that I was at, but some of you new residents and new graduates and nurses know that once you transfer hospitals, you start to get paid a little bit more based on your experience, of course. So I decided to switch hospitals and just dive into a brand new specialty, which is the CVICU. Now, my floor is called a cardiothoracic and transplant intensive care unit. More or less, it's the CVICU. It's the same concept. Um, we just frequently land a lot of fresh hearts, fresh cabbages. Um, so that's what we do on that floor. It's been crazy to say the least. It's It's been very challenging. Transitioning into a new hospital system has its own challenges. So while trying to figure out how their system works, how their policies work, where things are, who, uh, who are the doctors, you know, for each specialty that come in, do rounding on your patients and just how how the flow of the environment is there has been a challenge within itself. And then you face the challenge of being in a brand new specialty that you have 
no idea what you're doing. You're able to maintain, but you're having to grasp this whole new concept of the medications that you're using more frequently and the adverse effects that go along with it. Just kind of, like I said before, the flow of the unit. And I will say that cardiac nurses are pretty badass. Like the amount of knowledge that these nurses have is amazing. I can say I probably look up to a lot of the nurses on my floor in terms of where I want to be in the next year. They have such a good skill set, such a good knowledge set that when you ask them a question, it's like it immediately spews out of their mouth. There's, you know, there's not any kind of thinking, delayed thinking, I guess you could say that happens. And the unit is notorious for having a bunch of novice nurses. So everyone on the nurse is pretty fresh. But when I'm talking to somebody that's only had, you know, two years or a year and a half of experience and they seem very knowledgeable, um, that says a lot about the floor and how quickly you're dipped into situations to where you need to learn quickly. So it's it's definitely um, cured my craving. I'm good now. Um, <laughs> so that's where that's where I'm currently at right now. And I can honestly say... I am challenged every single day. I come home super exhausted. And there's moments where my days are kind of going slow. And I'm like, something's not right. Am I missing something? My patient's about to crash. But I can honestly say within the first four months that I've been there, the few, the few months that I have been there, I have learned maybe double the amount of what I learned within my first year as a new graduate resident. So... I feel like for me personally, that speaks volumes and um, the unit's very device heavy. Now for Cordero also, I'm not the only person experiencing anything new around this time. I know we've been absent for quite a while, but we're really just trying to tackle on, you know, new units, new goals for the year and just trying to, you know, reach the best possible versions of ourselves. And Cordero actually took a leap of faith as well and decided to uh, follow the trend of travel nursing. Dara, why don't you tell us about your travel nursing experience, the craziness, and... Boy, oh boy. <laughs> First off, don't let Monica cap. Every day isn't challenging. She texts me at like 5 o'clock one day. Oh, I only had one patient all day today. Okay. Oh, my day's been chilled. You know what? But for the most part, 80%, 90% of the time, I'm sure she is challenged. But every day is not a challenge. That's... Honestly, that's the damn lie because that day I had one patient. They were crashing all day, so... Don't let him fool you either, okay? Well, before we get into my deal over here, I want to dive a little bit deeper on you. Okay. What's the biggest culture change you've seen in your past unit and the unit that you're on now? In terms of culture, um, the hospital that I had came from was extremely diverse. There was a, a variety of races and background from... From the nurses that I worked closely to, and even with the physicians as well. Mm-hmm. Um, coming to this new unit, I think it lacks a little bit of diversity. Um, me personally, that's again, everything's my own opinion, but um, which is a little surprising because they're both within the same metroplex. They're both, you know, trauma and hospitals, you know, deep in downtown. So I, right. I'm, I'm, I was a little surprised at that change. Not that. It matters, but sometimes it just makes you feel a little bit more comfortable in your work environment um, in terms of just relating to people. You know, the music that you listen to, the the lingo that you use, and... Yeah. Um, even, even when it comes to patient care, too, you know, whenever you're trying to educate your patient. Me, personally, I feel like when I'm talking to 
a black lady or a black man about their disease process, I feel like they're listening a little bit more. They do. To me. A hundred percent. I mean, me speaking Spanish, I talk to my Spanish speaking patients or even they could just be Hispanic and automatically you see this trust, like this connection. And even with my black patients, like, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they see my demographics and, you know, the way I speak and the way I carry myself and automatically is that they have this full, full trust in me. Sometimes, not all, you know, it just depends what they came from of you you know, whatever the, the case may be. But um, as far as culture, that's what I feel about it. Um, I will say when I was in the neuro ICU, I got asked very frequently, like, hey, you need help? Do you need help with the turn? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, let me help you with something. Everyone was very caring and willing to lend you a hand, um, no matter the, the circumstance. But I will say the acuity was a little bit different. The, you know, the neuro yeah, floor I came sense. from was half step down and then half critical. Not saying the patients were challenging, but it's a you, different challenge. It's a different challenge, and I found myself having a little bit of extra time on my hands. Not every day, of course, I had challenging days, but I, for the most part, I found myself having extra time on my hands to where I could take a lap or two around, you know, the unit and help people with whatever that they needed help with. It's as simple as a turner, you know, grabbing something like some paperwork, whatever the case may be. But here on this floor, when you're looking at it from a outer perspective you're like wow everyone's so busy nobody's helping each other out but i can say that's a lie i have 100 percent support on this floor i've had plenty of situations already within the short four months of patients crashing almost on their four months already yeah almost on a daily basis that they're (laughs) that they're crashing actually and you usually automatically have somebody at the bedside, another nurse, another nurse practitioner. Um, there's monitors literally everywhere. And somebody will come and say, Monica, like, are you okay? Like, do you need help? The support is definitely there. What makes it a little bit difficult sometimes is that you have such frequent nurses that it just depends who your pod partners are. If they're, you know, they're at that level to where they, they know more than you do to the point that something that you may be missing that you need help with, if that makes any sense. Um, I think it, I think... That you're saying that pretty much the patients you're taking care of are a little more acute because you said you told me that there's it's more than just the heart that you're dealing with there's a lot of medical comorbidities that you're also dealing with but if you just think about it the heart is the pump to the body if the heart's not pumping nothing else is working your neurological your brain's not going to work if it's not getting the, the right perfusion if your other organs aren't getting the right perfusion, those are going to start failing. So you start seeing kidney failure, you know, liver failure, and then you're having to deal with things along that line. You know, clotting. Right. You know, right. uh, not being able to excrete drugs and and electrolytes and all those type of deals as well. It's just the whole system's involved at that point. And and with neuro, it was also the same way. You know, your brain is the battery to the rest of your body as well. So. Mm-hmm. It's just different. The unit is very device heavy. We take care. We're basically paired every day. If you have a CRT, you still have another patient. If you have a um, pulmonary arterial catheter, you still have another patient. If you have an LVAD, you still have another patient. If you have a balloon pump, you still have another patient. Um, So I think it makes us really strong nurses. Some may say it's a little unsafe. I I could agree with that as well. But um, for the most part, everyone survives and they take excellent care of their patients. Yeah, you learn to deal with it. It becomes your norm. It does. So... Like I said, looking from the outside in, you see everyone so, so damn busy to where you're just like, dang, where's the teamwork? But when you're in it and you're working and you're by yourself, you know, you're done with your preceptorship, 
um, and your shadowing experience, it's like you're getting support. You're definitely getting support. We have supervisors that, you know, work at bedside. We have our charge nurses that'll end up taking patients. Um, I think finding a new specialty in the midst of a pandemic is its own challenge within itself. And I think that's just made it a lot harder than it actually needs to be because I switched specialties because I was wanting that challenge of a was I was wanting that craving of a challenge and, and especially cardiovascular. But since COVID, we've been getting surge of MICU patients. So I've been getting a little bit of both. And honestly, I'm super grateful for it because it's allowed me to just expand my knowledge on how to care for very acute critical care patients, both in the cardiovascular world and the medical ICU world. So it's it's excellent. That's another thing that you were telling me about that I think is a big change in the culture too. So you said the, the MPs run the floor. Yes, the All MPs. Right. I have never worked with nurse practitioners that are so knowledgeable. And granted, the ones from the neuro ICU floor, I'm not saying that that was the case either. I worked with some really great neuro nurse practitioners, but they weren't, they weren't just involved. They were just kind of a case-by-case basis based on your typical like cranny or your bolt or your um, just anything that's related in, in the surgical world as far as neuro whereas here these nurse practitioners live eat and breathe cvicu they're here all the time i see them you know being overworked working super diligently and being at the bedside more than one time you know more than just seeing them during rounds and i like it because you have this easy access to support when needed especially on how frequently these patients crash so it's it's different because from where I came from, I had a neurologist who ran the floor and anything, you know, you had a problem with something, you would go up to him and he was just in charge of so many people, not just on our unit, but throughout the hospital. Whereas here, these nurse practitioners, yeah, they also overlook some other floors once we start transferring patients post, uh, post-operatively, like day three, four or five, however the case may be, but they're just there to support you throughout the whole time. And it's, it's amazing. Like, they're great. Cool. Okay. Well, it sounds like you're enjoying your floor. I am. It's it's exhausting. It it has, like I said, it's daily challenges. But I learn so freaking much. Uh, it's gonna it's making you smarter, which is important. We're able to come home and I like that you're working on this floor now because we can collaborate a little bit more and talk about things. And you can actually teach me some things. Like honestly, I'm I'm not the most interested in neuro. I don't. It's just. Uh, I just. Why? It's just sad. It Neuro's, is sad. Neuro's sad. It's depressing. It is because there's only so much you can do. And then, like, once a part of your brain is dead, it, it's, it's gone. It's gone. Like, it's not coming back. Well, you know what's on that topic? What's just in relation to just this one patient that I had here in the CVICU? I had a patient who had a cabbage and during the whole process, or they had a valve repair, they had some form of cardiovascular procedure done okay open open chest uh mid-sternal incision type of deal throughout their stay they ended up throwing like a clot and they had a stroke they had an ischemic stroke and with ischemic strokes you cause permissive hypertension but with post-cardiac surgeries you (laughs) want to maintain their blood pressure at a certain range so yeah that's a that's a slippery slope. <laughs> so I was just so confused because I, not confused. I was just in such like shock because of how are we gonna take the best care of this patient if if we have such tight parameters to keep 
you know, her blood pressure, her map on, and we're not perfusing her brain. Yeah. And it was just the saddest case. But like I said, without being a neuro ICU nurse, I would have, you know, never knew anything about permissive hypertension. You know what I mean? Best believe I was up in there doing Q1 neuro checks like a champ. <laughs> I mean, you can't. When they see a, like a patient hypertensive post cardiac intervention like that, they're like, they're what are you doing? They're stressed. You're going to jack something up. And I think once you, and this is off topic, but once you see like a cardiac surgery and just how small those sutures are yeah. that they put into the. Yeah. The, they're they're at bedside. They're saying, well, why is my blood pressure so high? And you're just, <laughs> they probably don't even see you. You've been working all day to try to, you know, minimize it. But whatever yeah. the case may be. They always seem to come whenever things aren't in order oh my god you know? yes it's like they just have a sixth sense like oh yeah let me pop it let me pop in there while uh the nurse is uh struggling <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks for tuning in guys we'll catch up with you next time all right peace out guys thanks for tuning in to another episode of code blue and bull we hope you enjoyed it please leave us a rating and review if you haven't already send any questions or comments about icu or nursing life in general to code blue and bull at gmail.com. We just might feature your question in the next episode. We will continue making dope content by sharing the raw, unfiltered view of the life of nursing. You guys continue to learn, stay strong, resilient, and most importantly, take care of yourself. Until next time, peace. <laughs>